And let us now turn to our first reading this morning from Psalm 145, a selection of verses, and it's the Swallow's Nest translation. And if you'd like to follow along, it's printed in the back of your bulletin announcements. In preparation to hear these words, let us turn our hearts in prayer. Holy God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for these ancient words and for those who have carried them down throughout the ages. We ask that you would open our hearts and our minds this morning that we might hear your word of love this day. Amen. My God and my guide, I will exalt your name forever. I will bless you with praises every day. I will sing with thanksgiving to you through all ages. Your greatness is beyond all knowing and all telling. Generation after generation praise your wonderful works. I muse upon your beauty and meditate on the glory of your deeds. With people who proclaim your mercy, I declare your great love. Women and men everywhere pour out their praises before you. Remembering your abundant goodness, they sing songs of adoration to you. One generation shall laud your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous work, I will meditate. Your reign, O God, is an everlasting reign. Your providence extends to all generations. You are faithful in your works, gracious in all your deeds. You raise up those who fall and uphold those who are oppressed. All those who look to you in trust are nourished by you in due time. You open your hand and satisfy the needs of all living creatures. You are just in all your ways and generous in all that you do. You fulfill the desires of those who are devoted to you. You hear their cry and save them. You persevere, and all who love you but destroy all that oppresses you. My mouth will proclaim your praise, O God, and all flesh will bless your holy name, both now and through all ages to come. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God. <laughs> uh, the gospel today comes from uh, the 20th chapter, 27th beginning at the 27th verse of the Gospel according to St. Luke. It, too, is printed in the back of your bulletin insert, should you want to follow along. Preparation to hear these words, let us pray. God of light and mystery, God of presence and wonder, pray as we listen to these ancient words that we might be attentive to your word for us this morning. And I would pray that my words would be like a window with the blinds up and clear, so we all might be attentive to what you would say to us. We make 
this prayer and the power of your many names. Amen. Some Sadducees, those who who say there is no resurrection, came to Jesus and asked him a question. Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies, leaving a wife but no children, the man should marry the widow and raise up the children for his own. Now there were seven brothers, the first married and died childless, and the second and the third married her, and so on in the same way, all seven died childless. Finally, the woman also died. In the resurrection, therefore, whose wife will the woman be? For the seven had married her. Jesus said to them, Those who belong to this age marry and are given in marriage. But those who are considered worthy of a place in that age and in the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. Indeed, they cannot die anymore because they are like angels and children of God being children of the resurrection. And the fact that the dead are raised, Moses himself showed in the story about the bush where he speaks about the Holy One as the God of Abraham and Sarah, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. Now, Yahweh is God, not of the dead, but of the living. For to God, all of them are alive. Then some of the scribes answered, Teacher, you have spoken well. For they no longer dared to ask him another question. Hmm. Wasn't that fun? (laughs) So, for the gift of this new day, For the gift of the present moment, for the gift of time intertwined with eternity, let us be thankful. Let us be attentive. Let us open ourselves to that which has never happened before. For the gift of this new day, for the gift of the present moment, for the gift of time intertwined with eternity, we are grateful. This prayer from the Celtic tradition frames our gospel this morning. I remember the first time I read this passage from St. Matthew thinking, really? Jesus, why are you so darn difficult to understand sometimes? I mean, what do you mean one can't die anymore? It's like that passage from Luke 9 that was given to me in seminary that I had to preach my very first sermon on where the disciples were, were being called by Jesus and he said, let the dead bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Let the dead bury their own dead. No one can die anymore. Huh? So the more I've sat with and pondered and researched this text, the more I realize that Jesus is really a good Buddhist. No, what I mean by that tongue-in-cheek is that Jesus was constantly telling people to remain in the present moment. To be about the resurrection of the living and not worry so much about the resurrection of the dead, but we, his followers, tend to spend more time, centuries in fact, focusing on what will be or might be or could be in the resurrection from the dead, rather than embracing the resurrection of the living. Remember Jesus' teachings in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6, the, the Consider the Lilies of the Field passage? Therefore, I tell you, said Jesus, do not be anxious about your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, 
nor about your body what you shall put on. Consider the lilies of the field which are alive today and then gone. Don't be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Let the day's own trouble be sufficient for the day. Now, I don't know about you, but I often get pinched by the tomorrow, the future, missing the lilies of the field in my life today. A while ago, I was sitting with the person, I'll call him Joe, who was consumed with past hurts and stressing about his income in the future, so he was totally missing everything that was right in front of him. He was, in the Buddhist tradition, missing the present moment. He was what Jesus called missing the kingdom or commonwealth or sovereignty or dominion of God. This past week, I saw Joe again, and he told me that for the past 30 days, not 24-7, but most of the time, he said, I've been living a posture of gratitude, taking long walks in the Marin headlands, allowing the trees to talk to me, listening to the ocean as I walk along the shore, enjoying meals with my partner in a whole new way. I'm now relishing each bite of food that I take, being aware to be, as he put it, where my boots are. Each day, each hour, he reminds himself, Joe, be where my boots are. I love this image. Well, think about it. If walking and hiking, we're not aware of where our boots are, where our feet are, we're apt to stumble, fall, trip. If I keep my attention on where I place my feet, I'm better, I'm having a better chance of being in the here and now. And you know, all we have is the here and now. That's all we have. That's all we have. Joe was right. Most of us, I think, know this in our heads, but we have a very difficult time living this daily. Making that a part of our daily existence is a whole other thing altogether. And this is what our texts are all about this morning, at least as I understand them. Jesus meets up with a group of Sadducees while he's teaching in the temple. Now, Sadducees were a group of believers whose faith was based solely on the teachings of the Torah, the first five books of the Hebrew Scriptures or our Old Testaments, and they didn't believe in life after death because it wasn't specifically mentioned in the Torah as they read it. So they wanted to trap Jesus to show others that he really didn't know the law, and by that he wasn't a good or faithful Jew. The scribes, on the other hand, some of them being Pharisees, whom the Sadducees argued with all the time, believed in the resurrection of the dead. For besides reading the Torah, they also read the Talmud, which is a commentary on the Torah, and they prayed the Psalms. These two groups, whenever they got together, would constantly have theological arguments on a whole array of subjects. But this one, interestingly enough, seemed to have the most juice. In fact, when these two groups met, the subject of life and death and life after death or life, death not after life. Um, they were each trying to persuade their hearers to believe that their side was the right side. 
And now they wanted to see what would Jesus say. So using a bizarre, absolutely bizarre Leviterite law that stated if a woman's husband dies and they have no children, the husband's brother, assuming the husband had a brother, the husband's brother would marry the woman so the family line would go on. Really. The Sadducees then asked their question, making it to the absurd, saying, but this woman outlived seven husbands and had no children with any of them. If heaven or the afterlife is like this one, whose wife will she be, they ask, since all three of the seven men were her husband? Hmm. If heaven or the afterlife were like this one, I love this. We even try to control what we don't know. Even trying to make heaven and the resurrection in our own image. Jesus knew they were trying to trap him. And as was his way, he answered from a completely different, surprising, unexpected perspective. He said to them, those who belong to this age, where we are now, marry and are given in marriage. In the resurrection from the dead, that's life beyond this age, neither marry nor are given in marriage. Indeed, they cannot die anymore because they're already dead and they're living a resurrected life. They're like angels and become children of God, children of the resurrection. Notice what Jesus is saying here. Life after this one is different than this one. He could have said it a little more clearly, but that's what he said. Since there is no death, there is no need for marriage, so don't worry about whose wife she is. It won't matter. That's what Jesus is basically saying. It's not about the future, guys. It's about the present. It's about being where our boots are. God is about resurrection of the dead, yes, but much more important about resurrection of the living. Jesus challenged his hearers, that would be us, not to worry about the future, for the future will take care of itself. Jesus' belief in God was life-consuming, and God was the God of the living, which empowered him to live his life fully in the now, even when things weren't going his way nor going well. His trust in God's all-pervasive presence in the future gave Jesus confidence to be fully present in the present. As you know from Tom's gospel story, gospel means truth, today is Stewardship Sunday. And stewardship is about being in the present as we plan for the future. Stewardship asks us to be where our boots are so we can give freely without worry of what is to come. I love giving money away. I love practicing stewardship, tithing 10% of my income. For as our stewardship says so clearly, this is how love wins. You see, the resurrection of the living is to embrace this one wild and crazy life we have now. Not tomorrow. 
The resurrection of the living affects the way we live daily lives. The resurrection of the living allows us to embrace our fears and move through them, enabling us to continue to invest in the future, to practice stewardship in the present freely without worry. So friends, where are your boots today? Here? Somewhere else? Jesus says, be here now. And when we are, love wins. And so will we.